This is podcast Coffee People in Middle East by Irina Sharipova. Here I speak with coffee professionals in Middle East, how to grow in the coffee industry, about glory and failure, and also I take opinions about coffee culture personally from coffee people. Hey everyone, my name is Irina Sharipova. I'm in the coffee industry for 10 years already. Now doing QC and education part in Rose Story Roastery in Dubai, UAE. And I'm doing this podcast because this is the best way to know the people behind the industry and understand why the coffee market in Middle East grows, the good and bad sides of the coffee jobs and why people stay in this industry for ages. We start the eighth episode, Coffee People in Middle East, with Estefania Hernandez, Q-Grader, Director of Quality and Product Developer of Colombian Exotic Coffee Company. She is a sensory expert. Welcome to the podcast, Estefania. Thank you, Irina. Thank you for inviting me. We will talk today about coffee business, sensory skills part, and about education. I've seen that you recently graduated from Zurich University of Applied Science in a postgraduate certification of advanced studies in coffee excellence. So could you please tell us about this university program at coffee? It's very interesting because it's not just classes. What does it consist of and how intense the education was? Yeah, so basically uh, the course is one year. It's fully online, so it's basically every week you need to study by yourself like five to six hours. So Whoa. you just go on the um, on the app or the software from the university, and then you download all the um, material that the professors give. Each mm-hmm. mo- there are four modules. First module is about uh, the botanics and the mm-hmm. part of like the farming part, processing, all that has to do with the coffee plant and the farming part of the coffee. Then module B, it's about roasting uh, and the freshness of coffee and some uh, about uh, espresso making and the science of espresso making. Then module C is about the water quality and they also touch a little bit about sensory science and sustainability program issues. Uh, And then the module D is a uh, research that you have to do with your mm. with a um, team. Wow! So in this case, we traveled to Switzerland and we got to see the university. Uh, of course, the university is amazing in in Switzerland, and all the professors are PhD. So it's a very science based class, which I appreciate because I'm a chemical engineer. Um, And then you have just to go online uh, every week, five to six hours, uh, read the material. And every two weeks, we had an online class of one and a half hour Mm -hmm. to ask questions that you could have. Wow, that's very fascinating. Did you have any home task within like uh, a year of education or just some online tests maybe? Yes, uh, every module had a quiz. Mm -hmm. And then the final project is like a thesis about something. My group, we research about fermentation. Okay. So what we wanted to accomplish was more regarding the uh, transparency of fermentation and the new uh, names that fermentations are having. So we Mm. wanted to see if there was a relationship between the farmers and the final consumer in Mm. these fermentation processes, or are we just making coffee from professionals to professionals? Wow, yeah. that's interesting. So how how can you apply for this program? It's like yearly? Because it was the first one, isn't it? No, I was in the second group. In the second group, okay. Yeah, but so it's they do yearly. It yearly, okay. I think so. I think they start in October every year. Oh, wow. So the application start on April, I think. Must hmm. be soon. And then you have to have some background, either yeah. scientific background or a lot of years, not a lot of years, but some years of experience in coffee. Yeah, some fundamentals you have to know before yes. going to this deep yeah. knowledge. Because it is actually very science-based, so wow. it's a lot of chemistry and it's a lot of physics. So for you to really get all the advantage, it's better that you already know coffee, mm-hmm. not to be new in the business. Wow, that's very interesting. Maybe I should apply for yeah, the next you uh, year. You would love it. <laughs> nice, interesting. So... Um, 
it was my dream actually. I because I saw when they just launched it in the SEA website, I was like, wow, that might be something interesting because you have only workshops and SEA classes, but this one is like really deep knowledge. Yeah. So do you have like some um, materials uh, after the class? Do they share with you some yes, researches? Yes, everything is yeah? for you. The research, the uh, I don't know the word in English, but uh, the the books mm-hmm. that you should read. So they give it uh, in the program. Also, there is a lot of fun experiments. For example, we did like a home chromatography. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's it's really really nice. And a lot of for ex- I want to speak about the professors. Uh, yeah. Samo, um, you can follow him on Instagram. He has a lot of science content. Oh, I see. And I think his I, module sorry. B. So and he's amazing and. He really has a lot of things to share uh, about science, uh, freshness. He studies more the freshness of coffee. So mm. if you go to the lab in Zurich University, you'll see uh, they have f- very fancy equipment, all the latest roasters, the latest espresso machines, everything, but also chromatographers and even wow. the nose. So you can sit and uh, really smell like every, I don't know, they do the, the So you can immediately apply your knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. very, very exciting. Wow, I'm jealous and congratulations with that. Thank so you, you have the diploma itself. Or? Yeah, it's a diploma. Mm. I wish they would do like a ceremony. <laughs> but but no. they didn't? No. <laughs> but it was some... Party or something? Nothing. No, no, nothing, unfortunately. <laughs> but they should. Like, I'm going to put that in my feedback. Okay. Next year. Maybe I will suggest them to do yeah. so. <laughs> well, um, knowing that you're originally from Colombia. Yes. Uh, from coffee ground country, which is like becoming very, tra- it's already a trend. Can you share your first memories connecting with coffee as a Colombian? Yeah, of course. So basically, actually, my family is coffee farm. Uh, we oh, have wow. a coffee farm in where I'm from. It's Tolima. Maybe you, some of sure, our sure, listeners famous one. <laughs> know Tolima coffee. Um, but unfortunately, because of the internal war we had in Colombia for 60 years, uh, we had to abandon the farm. And my family only started to recover it maybe six, five years ago. Oh. Uh, so I knew about coffee, and I knew something that uh, it was in my background. But um, I then I went to the university, and I started in the flavors industry. And by I don't know luck, uh, I got this job in one of the largest um, exporters of green coffee from Colombia. Mm-hmm. And because I had the sensory training, I got the job, I didn't know anything, anything about sensory of coffee, mm-hmm. I didn't know you, there were Q graders or tasters for coffee, I had no idea, because in Colombia... How many we, years ago it was? Well, that was in 2015. Okay. In Colombia, we drink really bad coffee inside the... the inside what, is, what was your first coffee, you remember? Yeah, of course, uh, my mom is a heavy coffee drinker, so <laughs> we do, you know, in Colombia we have lower grades, that's the one that we cannot export, uh, so yes. we drink that. So it's a lot of black, sour, oh. all first group defects, they roasted really, really dark, mm. and then, of course, you add a lot of sugar, because that tastes disgusting, mm-hmm. so it's like drinking old blackberry juice, fermented. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And so I didn't like coffee, but then when I started, I remember tasting these coffees from Huila, from Tolima, from Cauca, and seeing the difference of flavors really impressed me, and I fell in love like everybody when they started coffee. (laughs) Interesting, but what is the traditional way of preparation coffee there? So we call it ojeta. It's like a small, what do you call pot okay but it has like a shape of like a chemex let's say but Mm -hmm. the material is metal Mm -hmm. and how you do you basically put water you let it boil and then you add the coffee on top when Mm -hmm. the water is boiling and you mix it and you let it rest so it goes the the sediments go down and then Mm. you serve or you can use uh, a sock you know the ones for women yeah oh that's one yeah That's a very, very traditional. And in the farm area, they will add a little bit of uh, panela, which is a sugar cane yeah. sweet. So it's like a campesino coffee, we call it. It's really nice. Wow. So back then, there was no any specialty, like in 2015 in your area? or No, it is. But inside the country, the specialty coffee is blooming like... Uh, 
started blooming maybe in 2015, uh, mm -hmm. but there's still not a lot, you know, like the, the traditional drinker will know the bad coffee. Mm -hmm. But if you go now to Bogota, the capital in Colombia, you will see a lot of nice roasteries and coffee shops. And it's all, it's, I would say maybe it's in the same level as UAE in terms of wow. how the specialty coffee market is. Yeah. Of course, with less money. <laughs> but everyone drinks coffee there. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. No, actually, we drink coffee, but we only drink, I think, 1.2 kgs per capita per year compared mm -hmm. to northern yeah, countries yeah, in yeah. Europe. I think they drink five kgs per person per year. So it's but at least everyone in Colombia familiar with coffee as a product, that it grows. Because, you know, for instance, in my country, some people, they don't know where coffee grows. They, okay. they know that this is like coffee beans, yeah. but they don't know the coffee tree exists. Yeah. That there are fruit on the trees. <laughs> no, I will tell you, I think in Colombia, most of the people don't know that also. Really? Even I didn't know in 2014, I didn't know anything about coffee, where it comes from, where how was it processed, nothing. Oh, yeah, that's surprising. And it's actually, you know, when, when you are in a company, like they will give you coffee mm -hmm. normally, but then they will buy the coffee with the combo with the toilet paper. So it's a very cheap uh, thing. For oh. in the mind of people. Like, even for your household, you will not buy, you will say, this coffee is so expensive, they will go for the cheapest, because that's what it's okay. in our head, traditionally. Uh, but it's changing slowly. That's interesting. Mm. What can you say, what's unique about Colombian coffee culture that coffee people don't know, but locals know about it? Uh, about the culture or about... Co coffee culture in Colombia, so mm. you know... But people here or in the West countries, they don't, they have uh, no idea. See, I think a lot of things. Uh, Colombia is a very unique uh, coffee processor, I would say, if you compare it to Ethiopia or other origins, because we are really well established. So we have a federation of coffee growers. Maybe mm. not a lot of people know this, but they have been in the market for 100 years. And it's basically, the, it's owned by the coffee farmers of Colombia. So all the 560,000 families that grow coffee in Colombia are part of the National Federation. But they are the ones who, uh, let's say, establish the rules of the coffee to be exporter. So that's why the quality of coffee, even if it's like a very standard commercial coffee, it's sometimes higher quality than other origins uh, countries. That's one thing, for example. Another thing that maybe people don't know, especially for the ones who drink commercial beans, um, is that each region has a very unique flavor and mm -hmm. you can really taste. Um, people think, Colombia, Colombia, give me Colombia for my yes. blend. <laughs> and I think, yeah, but which kind? You know, a lot of people will say Brazil is nuts and chocolate. Colombia is yes. acidic. Not necessarily. We have... I think 31 departments uh, where we grow coffee, and each one has a very unique characteristic. This without even thinking about single-state coffees that do processing, and you know. So every flavor you can have from Colombia. Wow, wow, that's interesting. So we will talk about it uh, later on, uh, more detail. So for now, I'm curious about your coffee path, for sure. So you already mentioned that you started work in the... Importing company, right? Exporter. Like exporter, yeah. So in Colombia. Yes. And then how was your copy path uh, looked like? Okay. See, I started in this company by luck. Um, as I said, I didn't know anything about coffee that you had to taste, like nothing, nothing. And I really had very nice people guiding me. I had a, um, my work mom, I like to call her. She's... Uh, very knowledgeable coffee person um, with a lot of experience, and she was the one who taught me how to do, how to taste. So she actually taught me really quick. Three months after I started working in coffee, I got my cure grade that I, for some people takes years. Oh. And then I was quality analyst, and then because of my sensory science knowledge, I started create, developing um, uh, sensory uh, test for coffee. I developed some sensory tests that were not for, for example, if a client would like a coffee for espresso, I developed a test for tasting in espresso instead of doing a normal cupping. 
And the bosses liked that, so I started to get promoted, and I became the director of product development. I created a lab where I started with the multisensory experience. Well, this it was, was in the one company. Yes, in yeah, the same in that, Okay. This was in 2016. Now everybody's talking about multisensory experience. Or yeah. I, <laughs> I would like to say one of the first ones I had my wow. lights or the music, and I started to like talk a lot about that. Um, then, yeah, I, I, I have given, I have traveled to different coffee origins, Ethiopia, and Brazil, and Honduras, and Mexico, and I fell in love with all these different coffee cultures, and I have been in a lot of coffee fairs, where I have given some lectures about sensory, because that's like my let's say expertise. Yeah. And that's where yeah, I... Yeah, even like you're, when you were speaking about that, you, I you seem to me like you you mean to be in the coffee industry. You just everything is easy for you. So I established <laughs> that, I did that. So multi-sensory experience, very easy for you. So you it's like your feature of a character. Yeah, like you feel easy. Think. Like I need to do that. It's it's okay. It's not even the job. It's like I do it because I know it. And yeah, it's I yeah, I mean I don't I don't wanna say like it's easy, but I think I have the skill. Yeah. And I'm fortunately enough, I found my path very quickly in life. And then what happened, I did all the SEA courses, the, you know, like as every coffee person that's new in the business wants to develop the knowledge. And then I moved to Dubai two years ago to start mm. this company. It's not my company, but I was like one of the first founders. And now we are here. Yes, t tell us uh, a little bit more about this company, which is called Colombian Exotic yes. Coffee. What is your position and exactly about the business? How you found this company? You were invited from Colombia or yes. you already... So one of my, um, let's say, job things I had to do when I was working in the other company was to go around Colombia with clients from different countries. Yeah. When I hosted a lot of Russians and I... Oh, Those wow. were one of my favorites uh, to host because they're very nice. fun and they always want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> True. In the night. <laughs> sure. But the thing is, you know, in Colombia, in the small villages, we don't have vodka or like <laughs> they sell our traditional drink that's called aguardiente. So they were like, ask me, Stefania, vodka. No, we don't have, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have aguardiente. So in these trips, I met the, the farmers mm -hmm. of the company of Colombian Exotic Coffee. And we had a good relationship for a long time. Then they were looking for somebody, a Q grader that spoke English. So I just went to the interview and they liked my style because they it's a startup. So two years ago, actually, we came here knowing nothing. I came here by myself. I had some team members, but they were working in, you know, the other sister company, Hero Donuts. So I was actually having some help, but it was my job to start building the brand. Mm -hmm. And uh, we brought one container even before I came. So we had a lot of coffee of different profiles, but we didn't know the market. So mm -hmm. I started going uh, door by door to the roasteries around Dubai, UAE, knocking, please, can we try our samples? Yeah. And, you know, some people are very excited. Some people are like, okay, leave the samples and never give you feedback. But I think this was a good way to get our brand known. We are farmers, so we're not like trading coffee. We only um, sell what we produce. And I love the challenge because I was able or I have been able to learn about managing, you know, sales, marketing, other mm -hmm. parts different from the sensory side yeah. of coffee. And also because I believe in sustainability and that's, I think... Since I started in coffee, I used to love all these flavor, funky things, process, fermentation things. But I have come to realize that sustainability is something that we are forgetting as an industry. And even in the championships, it's, I see every time it's less about the coffee and more about yeah, the final part, which I think is cool to experiment and... Uh, know more about that, but we cannot forget about the farmers. Sure, sure. So I love the project, and that's why I came. Okay, so when you came here, the task was to sell the container of different origins, uh, different uh, 
regions of Colombia, right? No, no, no. Only our farms. We have two farms in Colombia. Okay. Uh, they are quite big. Uh, each one is around 600 hectares, but 45% of that land is a mist forest that we preserve to keep biodiversity and the water springs that then go down the mountain and supply water for the communities. And the rest, uh, we grow coffee and mm -hmm. other things like avocado and oranges mm. and lemons and like uh, this kind of thing and plantain. And um, the, the task was to start selling this container with different flavor profiles because mm -hmm. we have eight varieties okay. and we process differently. And, but this first container we brought washed. Was mm. almost all washed coffee, wow. and we had yellow <laughs> for bourbons. Dubai. Yes. <laughs> washed coffee, yellow bourbons washed, geishas washed, everything washed. Wow. So it was very very. What was the time. feedback back then when you started to work with the rosteries? Yeah, I remember a lot of people were saying like very important names. Uh, or telling me, yeah, your coffees are amazing. We love them. They are very clean, very well made. But this is not for the market. <sighs> so yeah, yeah and this is tough to hear. But the good thing is that because we are farmers, mm -hmm. we adjust, and we have been adjusting all of our fermentation processes, mm -hmm. and every time being more um, experimenting more. Now one of the farmers is actually working a lot with lactobacillus and yeast. Mm. And we actually worked with Lucia Solis. I don't yeah. know if you have heard about her. Sure. Um, we she came to the farm and we did some experiments with her with yeast with her yeast because she has developed yeast already. And so yeah we're working on that. Now a company that creates yeast in Colombia approached me. I used to work with the R&D manager, and he um, he wants to try some yeast that they created and they have tried in wine and in cacao. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna start doing that and see. You know, you need to also sell for the market. Yeah. Wow, it has to be sustainable, but you can you have to also have a business. Wow, interesting. Um, so of course, uh, Colombian exotic coffee is well known already here in the market, especially for the special methods of processing, like uh, everyone calls it funky coffee, too fermented, over-fermented. Can you please tell, um, I'm excited to hear from your side as a specialist, as a team member. Could you tell, could you tell a little bit more about uh, specifications? How do you process coffee? Because I want people to understand more, not only a word that it's written, it's funky coffee or it's exotic coffee. Like what's actually happening? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So basically, okay, the first thing that is really, really important in a specialty coffee farm is the picking of yeah. the cherries. So it has to be uh, the perfect ripening point. Of course, each variety has a different bricks content, mm -hmm. but we do measure bricks. And we, when we are creating exotic coffees, like we know we want to do this 90 plus, uh, then we have to have 25 bricks, 23 to 25 bricks. And then in this case, um, if people maybe don't know how pickers are paid in Colombia in a commercial farm is that they will get paid by weight. Mm. In a specialty coffee farm, they would get paid by the quality of the work and the weight also, because of course they cannot just, you know, rest and then pick some cherries. So that's one part, so you need to train a lot. Train, 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 the color. There is a lot of things you can do to do that. Like, for example, you paint their nails with the right red color that they need <gasps> to pick. Wow. Or you have, like, a lot of posts around the farm. Mm -hmm. So you can do these kind of things. That's the first thing. Then um, depends. I think also what makes us very different is that because we have uh, this land and it goes all the way to 2,000 meters above sea level, we have a lot in the farms that we, uh, when we bring a new variety, we plant it there, and we see if that will work in our special terroir. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, not all varieties will work in any environment. Mm -hmm. So we research there in a small plot, and we taste, we taste, we taste, and then if we see that the coffee will do good, then we plant it in the bigger lots. For example, another example of the work, the geisha that we use for competition series, it's actually planted in a plot that is, um, um, let's say, it has a forest in the middle. Mm 
-hmm. So we don't have cross uh, genetics oh, okay. with other varieties because that can happen, like yeah. natural mutations. If you have the yellow bourbon and the maragohipe, mm, in time because of bees, wind they will cross. Oh. So for the geishas, we have a forest in the middle. So it's like very pure genetics. Um, then the processing is also very important, how you really keep control of the temperature, all the variables, pH, and you need to really write everything down because consistency is also something that a lot of maybe farmers are not able to do. Like you create spontaneously an amazing coffee and then the next time you want to do it again, you don't know how. So we write everything down. Then we do uh, the drying step is also super important, you know, water activity and the moisture content. And we do maturation as well. So especially for naturals, the stabilization is really important. Mm -hmm. We actually do three months of stabilization in a climate control warehouse, like with AC mm -hmm. and with, with music. So we oh, play yeah. music to the beans. We believe in the good energy that you give to the beans, you will give back to you. The microorganisms are working there and music has frequencies and it's like it's like any living thing. If you hear music, we were talking about singing. You know? Yeah. It gives you emotion. Sure. So we actually take a lot of care to the beans and you know, every step is super important. And we could go through like, you know, specific fermentation, but I think, I don't know if you want to know more of, about something specific or... Yeah, it, will, it will take lots of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in general, yeah, at least there is some uh, proper information. Yeah. Yes. Wow, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Also, I'm curious about business side of uh, trading coffee. So you have, uh, most of your coffee are fermented. So how do you sell it? How, how do you work? I mean, like the steps to sell these exciting beans because you know we have there are lots of coffee shops here and um, not only coffee shops uh, roasteries they have knowledge about this coffee so maybe you can tell us what the challenges you face while like selling coffee and yeah how to do that how to sell this funky coffee how yeah. to encourage people to buy this because you put lots of effort right yeah. and behind the scenes even the baristas they don't know what's happening so what's from your side how you work well i think yeah that's very important that you don't just sell coffee and forget about it and i think that's one of our biggest value proposition as a company is that we accompany our clients directly like if you have a question about the coffee what date was picked we can give you all the traceability but we also because i am also um trained in other things like roasting and the sensory side and brewing so i can also help the the roastery to get the best out of the coffee with the roasting profile for mm -hmm. example and i know the coffee so, so you know because anyways Okay, you can be the best roaster, but if you are roasting a new variety or a new process that you don't know that much, you can use some, some help. So that, that companionship through the value chain is really important. The funky coffees here are not difficult to sell. It. Yeah. <laughs> the people love it. it. The funkier, the easier it is for us to sell if the, if the price is good. What I have struggled with is the scoring system okay. of Q-grade. And this is something that is more systemic, so I don't know if we should go into that, but you know, I think the SEA and the Q, uh, CQI, mm -hmm. maybe they know. They have not developed a Q-grading scoring sheet for experimental and, yeah. and new trends. Like you cannot evaluate with the same score sheet a washed coffee with I agree with natural. you, yeah. And even now we have, you know, the infused coffee or these things. How you evaluate that? How you give a score? I think it's very subjective. If you like these very funky flavors, what I see here is that they get the highest scores. Mm -hmm. But if you are in the other side of the world, I have tried coffees in the US, in South America, in Europe, and people really like the washed coffees there that are very well clean, balanced, and they will give high scores. But it's very difficult to sell an 89 or 90 geisha washed and then an 87 geisha natural that are super funky. Mm -hmm. The prices 
or of the, the people are willing to pay would be more for the funky one, even the score, mm. let's say, is less or yeah. same than for a very nice, beautiful jasmine geisha. Yeah. So that's what I, we struggle at the beginning, but I think you need to really understand your market and adjust. Mm -hmm. so How would you describe uh, your clients? Who are your target audience? Uh, well, in Dubai, I think, yeah, they... People is very knowledgeable in UAE because there is a lot of in ac access to information yep. and access to doing trainings different than in Colombia, for example, there's not that much capital to spend in an SEA course, for example. But in Colombia, we know about coffee when you're a professional in coffee because, as you said, we are there, we, say, we see the process, we understand what's happening, we also understand sustainability, how important that is. I think here people move a lot about trends, mm -hmm. which I think is okay, but I wish and my goal and that's why we did Origin Trip recently. It's because we wanted to show people that it's not just about that. You know, mm -hmm. it's so much things happening that um, people will appreciate more different coffees if they knew a little bit more. So I just try to educate as much as I can, videos, and like we want to try to do one Origin Trip every year mm. to start that conversation. Yeah, excellent. So I need some insider's uh, information. So you said when you came here, you needed to sell one container. So you obviously grew up since yeah, that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. So you sell even more than one container per year? or Yeah, we, it's not as fast as we wish. Uh, wish. But yeah, we we are in, we increased through, I think three times last year compared wow. to the first one. Fantastic. And for being like really new in the market, not local person, I think it's nice. And also our Singapore office, we we try to manage between both offices to try to sell all the production from the farms. Mm -hmm. But we still have a lot of way to go. Yeah, of course we we know we need to expand. Not UAE is mm -hmm. saturated a little bit. Yeah, but bit. you have already the office in Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yes, we have an office in Singapore as well. Okay, is there a warehouse or it's yes. just office? Warehouse. warehouse and lab. Oh, wow, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to do a cupping session in Singapore, you can, or here as well, yeah. Nice. So how is the market in Singapore? Well, that's a, that's something that is good for us because, as I said, here the wash and the more clean coffees in that way are not very well received. There, a little more. So okay. what we do is we, with my colleagues, <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of fight a little bit for the naturals because, mm. of course, it's a trend. But he gets to sell more easily the washed. People like that. For example, the yellow bourbon and the red bourbon sell very well there, washed ones. And here I get the, the, the coffee that we offer for espresso, which is like a Castillo and a Caturra variety. Uh, it sells better here. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's different. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, well, any other offices or, or only Dubai we and Singapore? Have, uh, we have just recently, not office yet, but we have somebody starting to work with us in Korea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So Congratulations. We, but we will manage from Singapore for in the beginning. Nice, nice. Wow. I'm, I'm happy for you, really. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Traveling is the best part of coffee industry. You, yes. I, while preparing for this interview, I saw your Instagram. You've been to US. Uh, you conducted lots of lectures about sensory. Uh, you traveled a lot because of the coffee origin trips. And you seem to me like very cheerful and wanderlust person, right? You like traveling, so this yeah. is part of your life. What was the most memorable trip linked with coffee, of course. Maybe it was the recent one, and you can tell us more about this, or it, it, there was something even more spectacular for you than the recent trip. Yeah, I think Ethiopia, because this trip was not, co was not job related. I just wanted to see the origin of coffee. Mm -hmm. I was in love with coffee, I was working in coffee, and that time I convinced my partner to go there. So I, I said, please, let's go for our holidays to Ethiopia. And he was really? like, what? <laughs> what? What are we going to do there? And I'm like, I just want to see a coffee farm in Ethiopia. That's it. 
So yeah, we booked the tickets, we went, and I didn't have anything. I didn't know anybody with coffee in Ethiopia, but I just looked, you know, in, tra uh, in Google, like, You were tours. pretty brave to go to Ethiopia uh, yourself. Yeah, I didn't go by myself, <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I, we booked a tour, and then the guys were so nice. I told them, look, I want to go to a coffee farm. Can you take me to a coffee farm? I want to go to Jirgachefi if mm -hmm. possible, or the Geisha village. Yeah. And they were like, what is Geisha village? We don't know that. And I'm like, what? Maybe somebody, maybe people have been lying to me. But no, then <laughs> maybe they didn't know because they're yeah. not in coffee. But they took me to Jirgachefi, and they, the roads, I mean, Ethiopia is very similar to Colombia in terms of the mountains. We grow similar things, the mangoes, the papayas. It's like being in Colombia. Oh, wow. Just the difference is maybe Ethiopia is maybe a little less developed. Mm -hmm. in that, like, for example, the roads, everything, <laughs> it was raining, so all the roads were really bad. And the, the kids, you see a lot of um, people in need of help. Um, we stayed in a hotel that was like three stars, but uh, yeah, it was not really nice. Uh, we didn't have water, we didn't have anything because it rained really hard and this tour guide took us to the house of his uncle because the uncle lived in Jirgachefi. It was raining, pouring rain, there was no electricity, electricity went off and he took us to his uncle's house and they gave us the most beautiful traditional food from Ethiopia, the injera and the, the lentils and the meat and then they um, because I told them I was in coffee, they let me do the traditional oh. roasting in the mm -hmm. pot and to do myself everything. So it's like a, it was a really, really wonderful experience. I want to go back, of course, but yeah, I think that that was the memorable. Yeah, moment. wow, fantastic. No, <laughs> so it was like kind of adventure. <laughs> it was. Very adventure. You didn't. You didn't have any food poison there, or yeah, you did. Everyone had that. Of course, of course, and even. I remember they offered me this uh, meat that was uncooked, like cow meat. Okay. And I'm like, no, please, I don't want... Because it was really uncooked, and I didn't want to get sick, so I didn't even try it. But I, anyways, I got sick. <laughs> yes, maybe I should have tried it. Okay. And you know what is the most uh, difficult part for me in that trip was the going to the toilet as a lady. <laughs> yeah. Okay, people, just be prepared. <laughs> okay, uh, well, any inspiration coffee people you met up there in, in the farms in Ethiopia? No, because in, unfortunately it was not like a proper coffee trip. Mm. <laughs> uh, so we just went to a farm, but the guy didn't know that much about coffee. I think the most memorable people I've... No, I think, I mean, I've... I've met wonderful people around the world with coffee. There is this lady called Vava from Kenya. I met her when I did my Q grading in the US, and she's like, she's, she calls herself a coffee-holic, and she helps women of the community in Kenya to sell the coffee uh, with better prices. So I love her, she's my queen. Um, I've met people in, in Colombia, there is a lot of people I really love, for example, <clears throat> there is this uh, coffee teacher, similar like you, he's Ricardo, and he taught me a lot about coffee as well. Um, let me think who else. All the professors of the Zurich University, I mean, I'm in love with them. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Inspiring. It's very inspiring. Uh, thank you for that. Um, in this podcast, I normally ask, what is the future of coffee? But for you, the question will be, what is the future of coffee farming and processing? Oh, my God. See, I think the trend will fade. And unfortunately, I think a lot of farmers are moving to these crazy, funky fermentations. And um, What do you mean by that? So, see, the thing is that in Colombia, for example, the traditional way of producing coffee is washed. So mm -hmm. each coffee farm produces, it's not like in Ethiopia, there is a washing station. No, each coffee farm in Colombia have their own washing station. And the coffee is traditionally do wash. Mm -hmm. That's the traditional, that's how we know how to do. And 
every time the roasters and are asking for more and more experimental infused coffees and these crazy fermentation, carbonic macerations and stuff, the farmers that have no access to information, which are a lot, like mm -hmm. from the 506,000, no, 560,000 families in Colombia, probably only 5% of these are, let's say, educated people, such like the, the farmers I work with. The remaining are farmers their whole lives, you know, so they don't have access even to internet in mm -hmm. some places. Um, so for them, it's not easy to create these coffees. And then they, they get this uh, visitor, they want the natural coffee. First of all, to produce a natural coffee is a totally different infra infrastructure because mm -hmm. natural coffees are very, it's, they're difficult to produce, especially in a country that rains so much like in Colombia. Drying uh, uh, natural coffee is almost impossible. And then you need to have like huge patios or stuff that we don't have the infrastructure. But anyways, people will start to create these kind of things and change maybe varieties to another varieties because the geisha is trending or now, I don't know, another species, uh, eugenoides. And we don't know. We don't know how to do this. So what would happen is that if the trend leaves and fades, the farmers will get stuck with all this infrastructure and all these. They change the variety. They change everything. And they will not able to master it, mm -hmm. right? Because it takes time to master. So all the farmers are changing to the trend. And if the trend fades, they will not have the time to master the new trend. And then there will be another one and another one. So I think the trend will fade and the wash coffees and the clean coffees will return or I hope so, mm. and sustainability will become something more important. See, you know, in our, one of the things I learned in the Zurich University program is that in 50 years time, the Arabica coffee will ex be extinct. Oh my. So we have 50 years to either, I don't know, do something to the environment so the temperature doesn't rise, or we need to find the new species that kind of taste like Arabica. And some people are doing it in Madagascar. Yeah. But imagine how long will it take to... Yeah, it's still low yield and takes like lots of time. And the terrors, it's going to be a different thing. It's not going to work in all the countries. It's not going to work in all the farms, mm -hmm. you know. So we really, really need to take that into consideration when we yeah, exactly. buy coffee and just maybe stop worrying so much about the fermentation part. <laughs> 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 oh. yeah. um, so for you as a coffee company, what is the uh, nearest goal? Like to sell more people or maybe you want to work with more farmers to work on this sustainability, as you said? So for now, um, what we want is to do direct trade. And what we want to do is to have like a radical traceability throughout the value chain. So what does this mean? That the roaster or even the barista, well, the roaster, can even come and help us create the coffee they wish for. Mm -hmm. So you say, I want a coffee that tastes like this, and you can come to the farm, have the lot that is just your lot, and take the cherries from your lot, and we will do the process for you. So it's like radical traceability throughout the value chain. That's one thing. Uh, and that will create awareness, right? Because you have your own lot in Colombia, you will know that... You need to buy it. If mm -hmm. the coffee goes bad, if we screw up in the fermentation, because that's something that you wanted to experiment with. So you need to buy that that's sustainability. And also, uh, when people get to know that radical traceability, they will get to know more about the projects we have. We have projects with the communities that go that are around our farm. So we mm -hmm. hire women on the form of the community to allow them to have an income uh, and work near to their kids because they're the local, the, the village school is there, so they can come in the morning, work in the farm, select the cherries, and they have an extra income. Uh, we also have some um, environment uh, projects. We have worked with different universities from Spain, Colombia, just to see, you know, what we can do to to give our part to sustainability wow. and re social responsibility. So you can. Easily learn about our projects, um, support them if you like, 
Mm, but yeah, that we will get through getting our brand known in the market. So to answer your question, we are building um, reputation and trying to do radical traceability. Wow, that's fantastic. Uh, because me, I, I didn't know about that. And I hope um, our listeners will figure out how important it is to work with farmers. And uh, it's not just to sell coffee. Yeah. It's uh, very interesting. Well, besides uh, your company goals, what is your goals in coffee industry as a coffee specialist? As a person? Any other uh, courses, classes, or <laughs> what, what's more? <laughs> After Q grading? Irina, and, uh, come on, you need to do some uh, professionals. <laughs> See, I'm I don't know. I'm thinking of maybe yeah, finishing my professionals and maybe do training. Mm -hmm. I just like to teach about coffee. Um, so maybe that. And I know people will not take my courses if I don't give them certificates. <laughs> so it's a must, I, I think. That would be some. And then the rest, I just want to maybe get to know other markets. I would love to learn more about the Japanese market and Australian market and uh, China because I think those are the next big markets, mm -hmm. or they already are, kind of. Yeah. yeah, China is in the way. Um, yeah, I would love to learn more about those. And we want to win a championship. Not myself, but I want <laughs> to be part of the team of a uh, wow. champion. Yeah. That's good, that's yeah. good. Um, well, besides coffee, what makes you feel so inspired and to... It, or motivates you to push yourself to work more? Besides coffee? Yes. Something? Or just coffee motivates like, you? You mean personal? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, of course, my family in Colombia. Uh, oh. To help them and yeah, to have a good life. Um, but I think coffee is, is a job that a lot of people would love to have because you don't feel like you're working. Mm -hmm. So it's like an amazing thing you can do. Like a lot of people yeah. would like to be in, in our position, and we need to be grateful for that, right? Oh. Yeah. Well, maybe something you are passionate about in oh. life. You have uh, some hobbies. Yeah, it's what I'm curious. <laughs> See, I I take a lot of courses about perfume. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. I always wanted to follow because I started in a flavors company. I was in research and development, so I was the one who helped the flavorist create the flavors for the food industry. Yeah. And I always wanted to keep uh, or come back to that eventually. So I study in my free time perfumery and fragrances. And, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I... I See, yeah, maybe we don't, we are not aware of it, but also like everything that we use in our house, like the softener for the clothes, the detergent, the whatever we put in the air, like the candles, all of that has a scent. Yeah. And it everything is taught to give an emotion, especially in the fragrance industry. This is like 100%. What you would get is like, a scent for elegance or a scent for sexiness or a scent for um, summer or a sense. So I love how the fragrance industry already cracked down that code of the sensory oh, emotions. Wow. So there side. is a big data already about yeah, it. Yeah, of wow, course. Wow, wow. Of course, perfume has been around for millions of years. Mm -hmm. And I think in coffee, we should we should learn a little bit more about that. That's why I was saying maybe the scoring system is not the best. Let's, mm. let's talk about emotions. Let's talk about how this coffee makes me feel. Let's talk about what time of the day I want to drink mm. this coffee or this coffee. And that way we can educate people more easily. Because nobody, your client that is just a coffee lover, will not understand what 87 means. Yes, you know? yes. Me neither. Actually, I don't like numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I just like what it uh, gives me. Exactly. What's the sensation or like subjective experience or objective? Yeah. It's a big discussion, actually. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. Wow. Maybe I need to think about these fragrance uh, courses. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Let's see if you want. Let's yeah. uh, 
try together. There, there are some workshops in Dubai. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I will. I will give you some sure, suggestions. Sure. Wow! And that will be last question. What do you wish everybody understood about coffee? Mm. I wish everybody understood that uh, we cannot forget about the farmers. That most of the farmers are struggling to make a living and that we have um, responsibility because we are living good lives and we are living in good places and we're having food in our table and we have cars and we have all the good things that we need to um, know or take into consideration that it's because of their hard work that we are able to do. Okay, we have the knowledge and we studied and that's why maybe we are in a better position. But maybe let's try not to uh, complain about the prices so fast. Uh, let's try to maybe understand what is behind and maybe get more involved instead of just like, you know, we only buy 87 coffees plus. Uh, let's talk about what are your responsibility issues, um, sorry, your sustainability programs or your social responsibility programs in your farm or, um, yeah, this. And also for the commercial coffee, I just, I wish people understood that Supremo 17 is just a physical <laughs> preparation <laughs> and it's nothing to do with quality or flavor or like not necessarily. Yeah. yeah, these two things. Right, right, <laughs> right. Wow, it was very interesting speaking Thank with you, you Stephanie. Yeah. Really, because speaking with someone who is originally from the coffee origin country, who is a, has a deep knowledge about coffee, I am inspired. I have some insights. And actually, after this conversation, I have some thoughts to think about the industry, right? Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Irina, for inviting me. You're such a lovely person. I love being around you. You're also very inspiring to me. I want to be like you. Oh, like, honestly, you are the coffee queen of Dubai for me. <laughs> and, and I really admire that you accomplished this even you just moved to Dubai. So thank I really you. congratulate you. And... Keep it up and thank you, thank I you. would love to take you to Colombia anytime. Oh, Let's plan please. it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, please. Thank you so much. And this was Coffee People in Middle East podcast. Thank you so much for the listening. Bye. Thanks for the listening. If you enjoy those conversations as much as I do, consider supporting my podcast. The best support from you would be your likes and sharing of my Instagram page or if you buy coffee from Rose Story directly from me. And if you need any education program, either SEA certification or coffee consulting for your coffee shop, please hit me up.